Hey friends, have you ever had any experience with someone called a subconscious reprogramming coach or wish you could? Sometimes I wish I could reprogram my subconscious. Stand by a minute and we're going to introduce you to Melissa Clarko, who is a master practitioner of hypnosis, neurolinguistic programming, and mental and emotional release. Very interesting. Hello again, friends and fellow truth seekers. Mike Nichols here with another episode of the Soul Unleashed podcast, where it's my goal to help you with questions you might have regarding the awakening of your soul, and particularly to help other left brain types, like I think I am, to ask the right questions in our search for a deeper meaning to life. Ultimately, I want to help you unleash your soul from limiting beliefs and smothering paradigms. So today's interview is with Melissa Clarko. As I mentioned, she does something called subconscious reprogramming, and she uses something called neurolinguistic programming. I had no idea what that was, and honestly, this is not like really off-the-wall stuff like, you know, seeing spirits or being a medium or psychic or whatever. Those are things I, years ago, I would have thought were completely nuts, but the whole thing that Melissa talks about is also something I never really considered seriously. And she shares her expertise in helping individuals overcome self-doubt and rebuild their confidence using something called this neuro-linguistic programming, hypnosis, and timeline therapy. So stand by. I think it's really interesting and really something that you can use to help yourself. And Melissa does this professionally. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Soul Unleashed podcast. My special guest today is Melissa Clarko. And Melissa is a subconscious reprogramming coach. And I don't know what that means either, but I'm sure Melissa will explain that to us as we go through the interview. So Melissa, if we just get started here, you don't need to explain exactly what subconscious reprogramming coach is, but yeah. just bio-wise, please, if you'd help us out and explain who you are and all that. Sure. So thanks for having me, Mike. I'm super excited to be here. And yes, as you mentioned, I'm a subconscious reprogramming coach. And so I help people overcome self-doubt and rebuild their confidence through subconscious reprogramming so they can have more health, wealth, and even love in their lives. And it all comes down to the subconscious, if you ask me. And, okay. and how I got started with that was, of course, on my own personal journey with having been on the receiving end of hypnosis and neurolinguistic programming. And another timeline therapy called mental and emotional release, which I'm sure we'll get into some questions about later. Okay. And yeah. So is when you say subcon uh, subconscious reprogramming, the reprogramming is done through hypnosis. So it's a combination of all three modalities: hypnosis, neurolinguistic programming, and then the mental and emotional release. So the core of what I do is based in the mental and emotional release, which is a timeline therapy, and so it rooted in quantum physics and neurolinguistics. So it's a combination of the three together using language to change the subconscious. And so I do want to love to get into hypnosis with you because I know it's a word that some people are a little bit, feel a little bit fearful about or don't know what it is, but mm -hmm. we go into hypnosis every day in and out of hypnosis. Our brainwaves change all the time. So I, I don't even love using the word hypnosis with people because they feel like, you know, maybe someone else is, has the control, which is not the case. 
you know, we go in and out as we watch TV, as we're doing this podcast, they're all times of the day. So what I do is using the timeline therapy and the hypnosis and the neurolinguistic programming, we kind of get to the root cause of where the, the root cause issue is from when you were younger, which is when your subconscious is programmed from ages zero to four. Okay. Can you explain a little bit about your background, though, and how you got into this? Yeah, for sure. So for me, I have a background actually in the music business for over 11 years and worked a lot, traveled a lot, got pretty exhausted in the process and reached a real tipping point with my own physical health, mental health, emotional health, and tried to deal with my issues physically. and. It was hard and I tried all the things and I still really wasn't feeling my best, uh, even in my career, not just my physical health. I, I doubted myself all the time. I just had constant loop of negative thinking, which I kind of thought was just normal and accepted it. And then I ended up having a really bad panic attack. And that was like my wake up call and my entry back into a more spiritual aspect of my life. Uh, it was pretty bad at home. Thankfully, I was at home. And in that moment, I said a prayer, a Hail Mary almost, of like, if I could just make it out of this, I promise that I'm going to return this to someone else who's going through it. And I didn't know what that meant at the time at all. But I knew that it was going to be part of what I was going to do to move forward. And it really caused me to think about the way I was living my life before. And if this was my last day, is this how I would have wanted to spend it or how I've spent it? before this day and it wasn't at all and so I knew that I had to go within myself to figure out why that was and the only constant in the situation was me so I took it upon myself to get into meditation and on top of having tried all of the physical modalities they still weren't really helping me uh, on a mental and emotional level I had deeper issues and trauma that I didn't never dealt with and they were causing physical ailments that I learned later on. So let me, let me just back up a second. So what did you do in the music industry? Were you a performer or you're some type of. No. So I, I, I'm a talent agent for electronic music artists. And okay. so that was, you know, I'm still a talent agent. I've been doing that for quite a while. And I, before that had tried out other roles in the music industry. This is going back from when I was a teenager, even like in college doing internships. So music is still a big part of even my own healing now. Um, okay. Good. So, my, yeah. my brother's in the music industry too, out in LA someplace. Oh, um, nice. So, and then for you religious wise, what type of religious upbringing did you have? I grew up Catholic. I went to actually private Catholic school when I was younger from kindergarten to eighth grade and went to church for the most part and then by maybe I want to say when I left the school I didn't really go to church that much after that yeah you know, it's kind of amazing I, I've interviewed a lot of people lately and the majority majority of them are all raised Catholic yeah. I was too I, I went yeah. to Catholic school as a, as a as a youngster so uh that's interesting so when you had this panic attack or this crisis, were you still practicing as a Catholic or were you kind of in search for something else at the time? I wasn't. So throughout 
that time, you know, from eighth grade to I'm going to speed up to now, it was just, I didn't really have a religion. I knew something greater existed outside of me. I just never really put my attention on it or tried to understand it because life was happening. It just wasn't, I kind of just wasn't into a religion at all. I knew something greater existed and that was as far as I went with it. And it wasn't. How did you, how did you know something greater existed? What, what gave you that sense? Yeah. So when I was probably about like 18, I want to say, I remember driving uh, and I just, I wouldn't forget it ever because I just had this feeling that something else was supporting me, something that I couldn't see. And I, it was just a feeling that is hard to describe, but I knew that there was somebody else at work with me, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course. So had you had any type of experiences you know, where you see or saw or heard any type of uh, spirit or any type of guidance or guardian angel or anything like that? At that time, I didn't. I am a very kinesthetic person. But then as I had the panic attack and went deeper into my spirituality um, and higher power, I have those interactions all the time now. I hate to ask you what kinesthetic means, but what does kinesthetic mean? That's a really great question. Kinesthetic is feeling. So in neurolinguistic programming, we all have different ways of processing information. So kinesthetic is feeling, you know, auditory is you can hear more. And olfactory is you're smelling. So your different senses, they just have a fancy name. And, and so other, are people right? who consider themselves to be empaths, are they kinesthetic? Is that the definitely, same thing? Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so, uh, and I've met a number of people that can feel or sense energy in the room or sense what other people are feeling emotionally. Mm-hmm. That That's the same as kinesthetic? Yeah, there's so many different ways to say it, but yes. And okay. and we all have the all of these senses. Some are stronger for others. Okay. Like you can feel, you can feel things as well, but someone else may be a little bit more strong suited towards feeling. Maybe you hear things, for example... In meditation, some people see a lot of um, either spirits or angels or anything really, and some people hear that hear the messages more than see them. And I'm actually mm-hmm. more of an auditory person when it comes to those interactions. So it it varies in the situation for me. But like I said, we all have all of those senses; they just appear differently. Melissa, would you describe yourself as a? I tend to view the world in terms of right brain, left brain kind of people. I, I'm a left brain type person where I would have thought what we're talking about right now was craziness a few years ago and, and very pragmatic. Uh, how would you describe yourself? Do you fall in that camp or you've always been open to these kind of things? That's a great question. I would say that before I had the panic attack, I was more left brain fighting my right brain, which made things really hard for me. And once I went more into meditation, which is essentially accessing more of the right brain, mm-hmm. I felt more like myself. And so now I would, you know, you need both. So I wouldn't say one is better than the other. You need both. It's just a matter of balancing them. And I, I definitely identify more with the right brain. However, after a certain time, I feel like I go in and out. I can go in and out when I need to be more left brain. I am when I need to be more right brain. I will. Okay. So can, can you, I, I, there's probably a direction you want to go for this, but but do you can you give us an example of what it is that you do that helps people or how you've helped someone? 
For sure. So for the most part, most people that end up working with are very left brain. And a big, big part of what I do before we even start mental and emotional release, the session, is getting them out of their left brain and more into their right brain so they can almost like relax and surrender to the experience. So most of the time people come and they want to know how is this going to happen? Like what are... I need to know exactly how I'm going to let go of this guilt that I've been carrying all my life or this fear that I've been having all my life. Like, what are the, what's the exact process? How does it physically leave me? But you, you can't explain energy in that way. So it's a matter of like, I use specific language, being a master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming, which is neuro is your brain. Linguistic is your language. And programming is like an application that you, every human runs. You can think about your cell phone with the apps. You open an app and it does a certain thing, right? Mm-hmm. The same thing with our bodies. They all have apps of how we do things. And so using language, we're able to modify those programs in your brain. And so so back to your, your question about <laughs> what exactly I would do is using specific language. And I can also tell when people are going in and out of certain brainwaves or if they're more relaxed or if they're more tense. Uh, And that, again, comes from a kinesthetic. I I can feel and I've been trained in this way to understand every movement, their eyes. It's it's a very intuitive process. So so I've studied and do meditation myself, not as well as I'd like, but I know there's different brainwave states, right? Like theta. yes. So, so that's what you sense? Exactly. So you can tell, like, okay, so we go in and out of brain, our brainwave, different brainwave states every day. So we're, we're in high beta or beta for most of the day while we're working, very focused. And so we really want to be like in alpha, which is more relaxed. You can think about it like right before you're going to go to bed, you feel relaxed. You're likely entering into alpha. So in that more relaxed state, we can access your subconscious easier than you would be in beta because the nervous system's a little bit more excited and hyped up and versus alpha when you're more in a relaxed state. And so the you go beta, alpha, beta, and delta. Delta is complete sleep. And so okay. beta is really the sweet spot. Uh, and if you fall too far, you just fall asleep, which you can in hypnosis. Okay. But yeah. So when you work with people, what state are they in? Theta? I would love for them to be in beta. Most of the time, I believe they're in alpha. Um, and again, it's not really so important to know are they in alpha or theta. It's just a matter of as long as they're not in beta, because they're likely just going to be examining what the process and even your ego or your your mind is going to get in the way. Am I doing this right? It doesn't feel like I'm doing anything you're going to have those constant like judgments in your head versus like when you're an alpha, you're just like relaxed and you're like, I've got this, I can do this. I'm doing it right. So if I was to do a session with you, do I lay down or do we do it by? No, you'd be sitting just like we are now. Just like this. Okay. Just like we are now. And do you do it remotely just like this? Yes, virtually. So do you, do you talk me through it? Like I close my eyes and you kind of, talk me through like you would have guided meditation kind of thing so there's there's a couple different things that happen and your eyes are for the most part open when i'm explaining certain things and 
people have the choice if they want to leave their eyes open or close. It, I, I give them the choice. Most people close their eyes and, it, and find it much easier that way. But I let them make that decision again, because I am just the guide and it is really up to the client to accept and do what they would like to. So you'd keep your eyes open or close if you want to. I go through a very detailed personal history with someone basically looking at your your whole life in a specific area. Let's say you're having trouble with your physical health. And we're going to look at what, what are all of the reasons that you're here? And you're going to tell me all of the reasons that you're here. And I'm going to break down each reason, asking very specific questions rooted again in neurolinguistic programming to see where the pattern lies. So there's usually a pattern that's repeated in an area of life for people if they're having a specific issue. Again, like even with career and physical health is like the top two, I would say for most people. Mm-hmm. So for, and there's usually a limiting belief behind that whole area of life that repeats. Are those the top two reasons why people might come to see you is physical health and career? Yes. I would say that for most people, they're looking, they've either tried all kinds of physical treatment, uh, even meditation. A lot of people that have been to hundreds of events for meditation, um, even for, for career, it could be like, they don't really know what they want to do with their life, or they just feel like they're not moving forward in their career, like in the same position that I even felt I was in. And those are the top two reasons. How, for sure. how about relationships? Like I keep having toxic relationships where I can't find the right woman yep. or guy. Or- that's, that's the third one for sure. I would say it's physical health, career, and relationships. Yep. Okay. So let's say I've got a relationship issue. You, you, I've explained this to you, this in-depth thing that you do initially with me, right? So then what's the point of, of the therapy? How do, how do you do that? So I'll give you an example of, let's say someone's having a relationship issue, like you said, and they're like, I keep attracting these kind of people into my life. I'm really not sure why. Or I can't find a, a partner. You know, I feel like I'm trying to do everything, or I just feel like I'm going to be alone forever, which is a limiting belief in itself. If they believe they're going to be alone forever, or that there's no one out there for them. So even something as specific as them believing like there's no one out there for them is actually a problem that we would work through mental and emotional release to release the limiting belief. You try to identify the limiting beliefs, I assume, before you even go into the. Therapy. Usually, usually they come up on the questionnaire that I have okay. people fill out, but um, it's rooted around limited beliefs and also core emotions like fear, guilt, anger, shame. Okay. So d- through the process, we're identifying the root cause, but we're also going through a release process to let go of anger, guilt, fear, shame. For a lot of people, it's unworthiness. Shame is a really, really big one. So. I'm sure not the first one to ask you this, but how does what you dif- do differ from, say, what a psychologist does? I wouldn't say psychiatrist because those guys deal with drugs, but but psychologists, how how's it different from what they might do? So a psychologist would just be talk therapy versus what this is, is working with a subconscious mind and asking asking the very specific questions that are rooted in neurolinguistic programming and quantum physics that allows you to access a level of your consciousness 
that normally a talk therapist is not going to either get that deep with or ask these very specific type of questions. And with talk therapy, I think it's more like a let's deal with, let's say this incident happened last week, you know, just as an example of let's say it's anger, you know, I got mad at someone for this thing. And whereas when I work with people, this anger is likely related to a much earlier event in your life that you never either either, either dealt with or let go of the emotion. And so the emotion is basically like trapped in the body. And so going through this process, we want to go back and release the emotion from the event. Is that where the hypnosis part comes in? Exactly, yes. So can you explain the relationship again to quantum physics? Quantum physics. Yeah, because that, that interests me, but I don't understand how it relates to what you do. Yeah, so quantum physics, it's, it's basically how energy informs matter. And so emotions are energy. And so if we can remove the emotions that are stuck in the in your field, and you you know, do you know what uh, like an energetic field is? Does that relate to chakras? Yeah. So like everyone has their own energy field mm-hmm. and these emotions get stuck in our energy field that we don't deal with at some point. Right. Mm-hmm. And eventually they end up trickling down into our physical body in some kind of way, either for the way we act or a physical ailment. And so using neurolinguistic programming and using the very specific language, we're able to identify where those emotions actually got stuck from a much earlier age. That is, uh, it's interesting. It reminds me of somebody else I know who does kind of healing that way, but they look for trapped emotions, trapped energy. Yeah. Um, but it's called something different. So, so how does, how does the, the you mentioned earlier about spirit or contacting spirit how does that come into this this practice so mental and emotional release from a practitioner perspective is a very energetic process as i mentioned with the energy field uh, for example for a client recently i could feel the emotions leaving his body again it's very kinesthetic thing for me but i could also couldn't see them physically leaving Mm -hmm. but they were and of course after he mentioned that he felt all of these emotions like the emotion that we were working on was just spewing out of his head essentially Mm -hmm. uh so basically it's moving energy through this process. So it's a very energetic process, though you think it's, you know, we're here sitting here talking, but more is happening than we can actually see, which is, you know, more right brain than, than left brain. <laughs> left brain wants to know how though. That's how? That's, that, I'm, I'm playing the left brain part here. So can, can you see anything like when this happens or do, or do you just sense it? I can sense it. And of course, like I don't, say anything unless a client shares something of course because you don't want to presume that some this is happening for someone you want to let them come to their own conclusion about their experience so i don't like i said i don't physically see the emotions leaving their body but i can just sense like energy is very much a sensing process and Mm -hmm. some people can see energy but for me it's feeling so so can you can you give us some examples of people that you have helped? 
have helped in the, is there specific or just in general, any situation? Yeah, or? I don't, I don't mean the people's names or anything, Yeah, <laughs> but, of I mean, course. but an example of someone who had a specific issue, yes. how you, how you did that, sure. what you do and how you help them. Yeah. So for physical health, I worked with this woman who I had no idea actually that she had chronic foot pain when we started the session, it wasn't really exactly the focus of course. So she came wanting to work on her physical health and after doing detailed personal history of her background, different emotions that came up in her life that were again, repeating and finding out what her limiting relief was, which was around unworthiness. Like I am not worthy. And after releasing the, the core emotions, you know, fear, guilt, hurt, anger, and shame. After the whole process, she went to get up and her chronic foot pain was completely gone. Oh. And so I can't explain when that happened or exactly how that happened, but it was the trapped emotions that were trickling down into her physical body and causing what I believe would be the pain in her foot. How, how long does, does a typical session take? So for when I first start working with clients, it's a, there's a two-day intensive, which is rooted in the mental and emotional release. And so the detailed personal history can be three to four hours. And I'm really deep diving into your life, you know, because I've just met this person for the first time and I want to make sure I have the full picture. And even if I feel like I have the full picture, I'll even still kind of go back and ensure that this is really what's going to move us forward. And then on the second day, we release the limiting belief that's come up and all, all of the emotions. Do you, do you do the first part live with that person or is it like a yes. questionnaire? Yes, it's live. Okay. Both, two, both two days are live. So the first day is about three to four hours. Second day is about four to five hours. Everyone is different in the way that they catch on to the information. So it, there's not like a specific time. Like it's only going to be an hour because people have different ways of processing. Okay. Your experience with the music kind of intrigues me. Do, do you use music at all? In my, with my clients, I, I do not. In my personal life, it is a huge driver for me and my healing. Um, and it's, it's an anchor, what we would call an anchor. And, you know, even the neurolinguistic programming is an anchor for me to, to either change my mood, my vibration even. And I, could go deeper into frequencies and how they affect us as well. Okay. I mean, I've met people who use Tibetan singing bowls or the, that type of therapy, which I is frequency anyway. I don't know if I'd call it music, but it's frequency treatment. Right. Uh, but music's important to me also. How about another example of somebody? Yeah. So I worked with a client in the area of relationships and he actually couldn't really make eye contact with anyone, not even me for our session. He could speak to like a boardroom of 100 or plus 500 people. But in intimate settings, he couldn't really hold eye contact with anyone and would kind of just run away from the situation at all costs. And of course, that is affecting his relationships in his life because he can't even really connect with people because he just would run. Mm-hmm. So after working together, you know, after the first day, he was able to like start to make eye contact with me as we dug into like, what is there really a problem here? What is actually the problem here? And after the two day intensive, 
you know, he went to work on that Monday and, you know, ended up meeting more people at work and is just on a whole new trajectory, like a whole new timeline opened up for him of like meeting and connecting with other people. How, how do people get led to find like a couple of years ago, before I knew that this kind of stuff existed, I, I, I would have looked for probably a psychologist or, or somebody like that. How do people find you? So for me, I have my social media they can find me on Instagram. Some people are looking up like subconscious reprogramming as they're learning more that the subconscious runs, you know, 95% of our body. So people are becoming more intrigued with the subconscious and hypnosis. So sometimes it's from a search either on Instagram or online on my website. And also, you know, I'm out at, at different times and meet people all the time who are just very interested in hypnosis, especially. Um, I, we'll put all the links and everything to you in the show notes for this, but can you just at least for people that are just listening to this and don't see the show notes, how, how do they find you? Yeah, they can go to my, my website, which is just www.melissacalarco.com or they okay. can go to Instagram and just search my full name, Melissa Calarco. And it, it can you just up. spell that because... Yeah, of course. It's B-A-L-A-R-C-O. And Melissa with two S's, right? Yeah. Okay, Melissa Calarco. Okay, good. Um, what else do we, we need to we need to add? I, is this something that you would have thought was crazy when you were growing up or or oh yeah okay I, yeah i definitely didn't plan this out at all to end up doing something like this but <laughs> and i would i would never do anything with anyone that i haven't experienced and so for me i was on the receiving end of these modalities like i said i struggled with my physical health and my career and after receiving them and see how much my life changed i would not be the person i am without having gone through these modalities myself. So that's a good point that I suppose we should have made at the beginning is you're, you're teaching what you learned, right? You're teaching what you went through. Yeah. The, the, the people that you mentioned that you were certified by who, who are they? The association for integrative psychology. And so they are also the people that run this association are psychologists and their main goal is to have an integrative approach to psychology because they find that psychology only really looks at like, let's just say talk therapy. It's very much a lot of talking and it's not an integration of like mind, body, soul, even on an energetic level. So using more holistic approaches and neuro-linguistic programs specifically, they've come up with these different ways to holistically approach mental health. So, so you're not, you're not licensed or anything, right? You're certified. I'm board certified as a master practitioner. Okay. Um, and I wouldn't know the difference anyway, even if you told me <laughs> you were, you were not. So and just, just a couple final things. Can you talk about any spiritual experiences that you have had that are personal to you? Yeah, too many to count. Uh, I'll try to pick the most. Is there Please. any specific, is there anything well, you're I, wanting I mean, to the, know? The people, people that I'm trying to reach or I hope they're listening to this, the kind of folks that, um, you know, are questioning is there something beyond this life where they know that there is, but they're looking for more evidence about, about that existence. So anything mm -hmm. that you have experienced that might lend weight to the, to the proof that 
there's more beyond this life. Yeah. So, well, for one thing, I would also consider maybe not thinking of yourself as more left brain because the labels that we give ourselves, like our brain is our brain and body are always listening. So if you identify more with like, I can only really access my left brain, you're only going to access your left brain. And so it's a matter of like listening to how you speak, even about yourself. And this is more of a practical matter versus my experience, which I'll get into. But the you have to be careful with labels. They're very helpful for us to understand ourselves. But our brain and body are always listening. And like I said, with the subconscious, it runs 95% of our body. So I don't have to think about my heart beating right now. And we don't have to think about how our lungs are working or how our liver is working right now. There's a greater intelligence that's running this body. So the fact that you're actually alive right now and your body's running all these functions is a testimony in and of itself that I that helps me to believe in something else. I never thought about the fact that my body runs on its own without me even thinking about it. It's just, you know, you go through every day and maybe you're not thinking about that, but it happens, right? Mm-hmm. How is that to be? How can that be? So that's that's a mystery that we all want to know. But uh and connecting with meditation has helped me bridge the gap of understanding that on my own level. So, so how about any examples that you've had? Yeah. So when I went through the panic attack, that was the biggest driver for me. I went into Dr. Joe Dispenza. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but went into his meditations pretty heavily. And I was actually going to a chiropractor at the time taking a lot of supplements and doing all the what we would call matter to matter physical care you know take supplements Mm -hmm. get assessed and they were actually making me worse and i was doing the meditations and after some time i was like i'll just keep doing them if it keeps working so i was feeling worse with the supplements and so intuitively i i received information like you stop taking the supplements and keep doing the meditations. And I was kind of scared, honestly, to even listen to that, to not do, you know, what I need to do physically. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I realized as I slowly took away the supplements that my body was starting to function better. Like my digestive system wasn't in chaos anymore. And I started doing these meditations from Dr. Joe and I saw profound changes in my physical body after listening to that download that I thought maybe was kind of crazy at the time. Mm-hmm. I like him. And yeah. I've done a couple of his, uh, his meditations too. Um, Melissa, can people book appointments with you at melissaclarko.com? Yeah. How they do it? Yeah. So when they go to my website, they can uh, click the tab at the top that says uh, work together and there'll be a discovery call first, of course, to make sure it's the right fit. And okay. That that is the best way. Okay, good. Let's see. I think did, did I promise you that we we're going to ask you what you thought about ha- what happens to us after you die? You did. Okay, please. <laughs> do you have enough time for this? I don't know. I, I do want to know what you think. Yes, please. Yeah, this is a big question that I was pretty astounded by my own revelation in it. Of course. So what I believe is when we pass and i i wouldn't even say die i would almost just say um pass our physical bodies are no longer here but of course i believe that our energy our consciousness exists elsewhere and 
So I'm sure people have felt people that pass away before, you know, maybe they've felt their energy before. And that part of it kind of helped me to see that. But rooted in quantum physics, again, our consciousness exists everywhere at all times. Like we are eternal is what I believe. Our consciousness is eternal. So when I leave my physical body, my consciousness is going to be somewhere else where I'm not quite sure at the moment. It could be another dimension. It could be another reality somewhere else. I could reincarnate and not know who I am right now, but reincarnate as someone else. So I believe that the soul is eternal and our physical bodies are just like a car we've been put in drive right now. So you, you do believe that we do have at least the opportunity to reincarnate. I do. Yes. And, and I believe that. And I believe of course we're able to have contact with people who are still living here as our soul ascends. Do you believe it's possible to reincarnate in different dimensions than this one? Yes. All right. Well, we have no argument. <laughs> we will, there's only one way to find out. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's funny because you, your answer is the same I've heard from a bunch of people. It's, we go someplace, but who knows where we go, right? Um, well, you know, there there are so many different speculations. You you could You could speculate on a lot of different places. Yeah, but the cool thing for me is that they're still, they're able to still communicate with us. Like I, I've, I've communicated with my son and I know he's here somehow, but he's not uh, obviously physically here, but I, but I know that he's present. So yeah. where that is or that veil is, I, I don't quite understand either, but. In the field, he's in the, your energetic field. In my, my energy. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll stop it there. I said about a half an hour, or so so we're 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 a little bit beyond that, which is fine. Okay. But I really enjoyed talking with you, um, and maybe we'll do this again once I learn more about. Actually, I'm, I'll, I'll probably book a session with you just so I can understand how it works. Yeah, and maybe we can to. do another interview later. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Melissa. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. And don't go away. I won't. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening to today's interview. As I mentioned during the interview, all of Melissa's contact information, how you can get in touch with her in case you want to benefit from what she does are listed in the show notes. I do show notes for both the YouTube video portion of this podcast and also Apple or uh, iTunes and Android, the show notes for those things too. Can you do me a favor though? Can you hit the subscribe button wherever you downloaded this podcast? That way you'll never miss an episode. And even more importantly, if you take the time to leave a review, I'd really appreciate it. Both things help other seekers such as yourself find this podcast more easily. And that's what I'm looking for, more awesome people like you. So thank you. Talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.